Taylor and welcome to Hack Your Health, a podcast which can support a fast track to feeling your best, boosting your mood and uplifting your general outlook on life. My biohacking journey began over eight years ago, which led me to having a ridiculously inquiring mind, always asking questions and searching for the answers. For example, why do I sometimes lose focus and what makes me sign up to a marathon at 45? Or one of my first ever questions, what the hell makes me so allergic to alcohol that I can't ever drink again and how do I manage that? After all, what is addiction and how can it be tamed? Over the years, I've done tons of research and become my own N of one experiment, trying and testing some of the most out there and fringe hypotheses to find out what actually works for me. Me being an average middle-aged British woman with the usual ups and downs of 21st century living. And now I want to share with you what I've learned. I'll be joined by some of the best visionaries in the health and biohacking space, asking them to put forward their arguments and suggestions that could support your health and well-being. As with everything, there is never a one-size-fits-all approach. So I ask you, take these conversations as food for thought. The advice you hear should never be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnoses, or treatment. But whatever you do, stay inquisitive. And as always, I love your feedback and your experience about what we talk about. Also, a big shout out to Omnus, who are our partners for this episode. You'll hear more about why you need them in your life later in the episode. That's at omnosme.com. Oh, and just a quick one. I've got a bit of a potty mouth, so there's a bit of swearing in this episode, just to forewarn you. Sorry about that. Now let's go and hack your health. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me on my very first episode of my new podcast called Hack Your Health. We have got some incredible guests lined up for this series, and I cannot wait for you to hear these conversations. However, for the first episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to be interviewed by my producer, Charlie. So everyone, say hello to Charlie. Hello. This is so typical as, isn't it? Doing something different. <laughs> Doing something completely different. But I mean, it's a really good idea. It was you who said, hang on, what happens if nobody's read your books or nobody knows you? So yeah, it's a good idea. Let's sort of like take it from the top. Yeah, exactly. And I'd love to just ask you why you're excited about making this series. Well, I mean, I like to kind of lift the lid on all the health advice out there because it's really confusing. One person says go plant-based, another person says go carnivore, another person says just water fast. I mean, what do you do? And I just think it's good to put everything in the arena and you make your own decisions for what your lifestyle uh, choices are, what your ethics are, or, you know, just to have that information to be able to do what the hell you want instead of what some bloody government or some guru tells you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, we've definitely lifted, I'd say we're lifting the lid on a lot of things, aren't we, in this series? It's really exciting. Oh, we've got some absolute health maniacs. I love them because, I mean, I think the people that we're interviewing are slightly off the wall. I mean, particularly the doctors, you know, putting their different opinions out there. It's, you know, they could be sort of debarred. What's the word for it? You'd have the yeah. medical license debarred. taken off. You know, debarred, that's, that's legal, isn't it? That's legal. No, I mean, I know. We'll you know, they, they're kind of really putting their own neck on the line, mm. calling out, uh, calling out the, the false data or calling out, or, you know, the misinformation that's been generated out there just normally for profit, you know, but this is where a lot of the, um, 
the health advice comes from. It's like a circular profit-making industry, the food industry and the pharmaceutical industry. And it's really interesting. It's interesting because it affects us. And most of all, for me, it's not necessarily just about weight because, of course, we all want to be leaner because we know it's generally healthier. But for me, it's the mental health. And it's not like woo-woo mental health. No, I want to be sharp and I want to be like thinking creatively and happily. And that for me is my driver. I just want to be dead happy. I just want to be dead oh. happy. I want to smile all the time. So yeah, that, that's why I find this super interesting. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm really excited about this because I probably started my journey about 10 years ago and I was really lucky because I got to train with an Olympian and she was trying this new kind of like fitness program so I got to train with her six days a week she changed my diet but what scares me and when I look back I thought I was healthy and I actually wasn't being healthy you know I was having Marks and Spencer's health you know kind of like the be good to yourself range and then you actually look at the ingredients and there's so many ingredients in those things and like, you know, the last 10 years, I've really kind of like been on this education journey as well. And it's completely transformed my life. So me and you together, we're so passionate about this. And we want to get this information into as many heads and hands as possible, don't we? Yeah. And I think also our generation isn't quite as, you know, bowled over by the men in white coats or by marketing. We always got to take everything with a pinch of salt, which actually is good for you. Salt's good for you, regardless of the rhetoric. <laughs> so yeah, do take everything with a pinch of sea salt. Yes. And yeah, and don't worry about your blood pressure because that does not increase your blood pressure, <laughs> but you'll find out that in next, the next few episodes. So yeah, I've really enjoyed doing this first series. It's been fabulous. And um, yeah, we're taking risks as well. So yeah, we are on the line. Um, so you've got a company called Will Powders. You wrote a Sunday Times bestselling book called It's Not a Diet. You've got another book called Hack Your Hormones that's coming out on May the 23rd that already went to number one in the Amazon pre-sales. And you've really, you've just completely immersed yourself in this life. But we need to go back, way back to when you weren't, you weren't in this space and I just want to kind of like educate people on your whole journey and where you got to where you are now. Because I'm sure people will look at you and go, oh, you know, Davinia, look, she looks amazing. She's, she's spouting all this great stuff, but you weren't, you haven't always been in this place. So people don't, maybe they do know, maybe they don't know, but you were in Hollyoaks many, many years ago. I remember watching you in Hollyoaks. What was the pressure? Was there a pressure to look a certain way? I presume there was being on TV. Yeah, I mean, generally, I was moving into that sort of era of it was the 90s sort of heroin chic. So no matter how lean I was, I was never heroin looking. <laughs> I always, I've always been quite, I mean, I've not got a waistline. I've got, you know, I'm quite athletic looking and I'm not particularly tall. So I didn't have this sort of supermodel type body. So I've always thought I'm less than. And I think that's just the nature of the beast at that time. Uh, regards to the pressures, um, yeah, yeah, everyone, everyone had to be uh, pushing for a size six at least. So um, not necessarily on Hollyoaks because that's that's more TV. But when I was doing, I, I used to do catalog work for like macro and stuff like that for um, extra cash. Yeah. So the modeling agency would always say, you know, uh, you, you've got to keep your weight. They give you a, advice on how to have a calorie controlled diet. And, you know, 
me with my sort of addictive personality, if I have one slice of pizza, the whole lot's going to get polished off. So it was always a battle of willpower. And that's why I understand. I mean, I compile on weight just by looking at a piece of bread and I bloat <laughs> up and everything. And it just starts, starts off a chain reaction in my little addictive brain that I want more. So, um, yeah, I've, I've battled with that mental struggle of not having enough willpower, hence me developing my company will powders because what I've learned over the past 10 years it's how you feed your brain your body will follow so if you give your brain certain ingredients you won't have the craving in the first place so you don't need to use your willpower because you have taken certain powders that stimulate the brain and you don't get the cravings in the first place so there's no fight because for me a craving is just the most horrible feeling in the world it is it's awful wanting something that you know is detrimental to you but having no power over it and it's just rubbish always wanting and feeling like you're missing out now it just doesn't enter my brain it doesn't same same with alcohol it doesn't enter my brain you know it's just one of those things that i just i don't think about i can i walk up and down the aisle in say tesco's or whatever and i don't even notice the wine and i don't even notice the bread it's just not on my radar anymore which for somebody who couldn't go a day without a bottle of wine and a loaf of bread is quite you know that that they were my comfort blankets and they made me feel and it was very it was very normal and it's very normal now for most middle-aged women to just reach for those as a treat or as a and you know the just having a little bit of something mm. never satisfies someone like me. So what's the point? First of all, I don't want the craving. I don't want to even have to think about it or acknowledge it or fight against the craving. So that is a non-negotiable for me. That's why my company, Willpowders, targets brain stimulation as opposed to weight loss. That's just a byproduct of what you're doing, you know? Literally, if you put your brain first, your body will lean up naturally without effort. So it's not a weight loss company, it's a brain enhancing company, which I prefer. I mean, the brain is that one organ that never, never sleeps. So, yeah, you know, exactly. so uh, it's, it's good to look after it, you know, and the whole the whole uh, premise of Willpowders is to try and make it accessible to as many people as possible. Because when I first entered this biohacking space, everything was so expensive and you had to import it. That's why I thought, right, let's, let's bring it all on shore to the UK and just try and educate just women like me who've like, you know, they're in the middle age, they've had the kids, they've had their ups and downs, you know, they've had trauma, they've had a career, whatever, and they just need an oomph, a new lease of life. And also that conversation trickles down to your children, to your husbands, because women for me, and if you look at any sort of marketing data, women, regardless of what you think, still rule the roost. We still Hell have yeah. the purse strings. We still decide what gets put in the fridge. So we have the power to influence our children and our husbands on a subliminal level anyway. You know, they won't notice. They just carry on with their day. All of a sudden, the fridge magically fills up or the cupboard is suddenly full. You know, it's because we're making those decisions and it's a really empowering place. So, um, yeah, I think we've got a, a duty to look after ourselves and then have the knock-on effects. It's like osmosis. It just filters through the whole family and your friends actually because you know we, we all talk about our mental health now so openly and this for me is is paramount the fact that we've never really acknowledged that what you eat directly affects your brain chemistry is phenomenal it is it's for, of course phenomenal. it affects i mean we've talked about carb comas all the time but no one seems to go oh my god yeah why not have your carbohydrates at night anyway i digress so yeah my story uh, begins way, way back in the 90s um, when I was, uh, I'd, I'd left school with my GCSEs 
and decided I wanted to go to drama college uh, because I wanted to be an actor. And so I was doing all the uh, thespian stuff, theatre studies, performing arts and everything. And as I mentioned before, I used to do a little bit of like catalogue modelling. You get like um, a day rate and that was like a fortune to someone who was like 17 and it would pay petrol money and all that. So anyway, my agent rang me up and said, listen, do you act? Because there's a new sort of soap that's just come out down the road. They're filming in Liverpool called Hollyoaks and they're looking for um, like a walk on part and maybe a little bit of speaking and I said well yeah funnily enough that's what I'm doing my A-levels in anyway long story short I uh, landed the role of a character called Jude Cunningham which was she was I think she was a fashion student anyway it soon evolved into like the world's worst bitch like the Alexis (laughs) Carrington Colby Dexter of Chester Um, I I mean I don't know if that was art imitating life or the other way around but um yeah, so anyway, I had this great role and it was really meaty and we I was obviously my colleagues were all of the same age as me. We were all like 19, 20 and I basically left my A-levels on the sideline and just went and started earning because I asked my drama teacher, I said, look, sh- should I should I be leaving college? I mean, you're meant to stay here and then go on to university and be a, a proper actor and, you know, get all the qualifications. And she said, well, to be honest, love, this is exactly why you're here, to get a job, yeah. to pay the bills. So, yeah, I... um. I landed that role and that was great. I mean, it was wild because, you know, we were all, even even the crew, the cast and the crew were very tight. And uh, yeah, we'd all party really hard. It was the 90s. It was great. I think we used to go to Hacienda and things like that in Manchester after filming. And yeah, it was great. And I'm still friends with a lot of the guys from the show anyway, from 1996 and 1997. So uh, yeah, that's, that's where I started. And I... Eventually, after leaving there, I had a fallout with a producer. Of course I did. And um, I relocated down to London to pursue a career. And you know what? Um, I did a couple of films and stuff, but the roles weren't coming in as I'd wanted to. And in the end, that really knocked my self-esteem. And I kind of leaned on more of like the social scene in in London, uh, probably to just boost my self-esteem. And also... I met a lot of like-minded people. We were all pretty wild. Wild as in, you know, there was no boundaries. It was like, let's go out every night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Let's do that. Let's socialize. Let's, I don't know, network. Let's, you know, put ideas together and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of creatives. And um, I mean, the right should have been on the wall that I've got ADHD then. But of course, girls were never diagnosed anyway. And I didn't even know it was anything to do with a hormone um, issue. But um yeah, I mean, it was great. It was, it was a really, it was, it was a fantastic time. You know, I traveled the world. I got married as well. And, uh, yeah, we, we, I mean, it was a blast. It was a blast until it wasn't like mm. every story. And I think, you know, a, a lot of the people I was socializing with have the same issues as me. And it, it's kind of like a magnetic field. Those sort of, uh, people with a similar type of brain to me, we, we all get drawn together. And most of them are sober now anyway. So it's funny how you all go along the same sort of trajectory and timeline. But yeah, eventually I um, I ended up having my first son and had severe postnatal depression. And I've alluded to it in my new book. I think the trigger for that was um, to do with having IVF and being pumped full of estrogen, of course. And then when you have the baby, there's a sudden mass exodus of all the feel-good hormones and me having ADHD as well means you've got low dopamine, which is a kind of like a confidence um, hormone that gives you drive and energy and motivation and get up and go. 
And I just think having low estrogen, which of course boosts your mood, it makes you feel safe and happy and no anxiety. I think messing around with artificial, with, with it, well, it's HRT really, messing around with that and not knowing my baselines were so low anyway, naturally from birth, um, I think really sent me into a huge spiral. And unfortunately, um, it was never on the doctor's radar that they might want to test my hormones. So I turned to what my body has remembered and that was white wine. And, you know, I said I've got an addictive personality, but it's weird. I was never addicted to like nicotine or anything like one of the world's most addictive drugs. It was white wine, not red wine, not beer, white wine. And it gave me comfort and it stopped me from shaking. I was was shaking with um, adrenaline and nervousness, trying to change the baby's nappy and stuff. And I just, I had no comfort and no ease at all. And that's when alcoholism gripped me. And that's when I had to... um, hold my hands up and say, I I can't do this because um, it doesn't work. It doesn't bring me comfort anymore. It just brings me to a level that I can have a conversation with someone without shuddering in terror. And there's like an analogy of the four horsemen. You get this absolute sinking feeling of dread when you don't have that that fuel of alcohol, that specific alcohol, particular white wine for me. I don't know what is in the chemistry in that that gave me such a feeling of ease, but that had stopped working. So it wasn't a feeling of ease. It was now just to keep the terror away. And of course, with alcohol, um, unfortunately, as you drink it, you get more drunk. So you're just drinking to feel normal, but the, (laughs) the side effect is you're bloody pissed out your head. And after putting that down, I picked up carbohydrates, you know, which I didn't even know. I didn't even know that white wine was such a, a carbohydrate heavy uh, beverage. Mm. It's full of sugar. You don't think that, you know, you don't think that back then. You you know, um, you just think of cakes and things and pizza is bad for you and, and containing sugar. But no, I was, I, I've always been addicted to carbohydrates because of the ferocity in which I consumed the sugar in the wine. So yeah, you can just see how it's easy to cross addict just to give yourself comfort. And as, as far as I know, science hasn't been able to unpick that addictive mechanism when you cross that invisible line. And once you, there's a saying that uh, you can't unpickle a gherkin back into a cucumber. So for me, I, I've had my quota of alcohol and looking at my friends who still drink, I don't think I could cope with a hangover anyway oh, because they last. Yeah, hangovers are awful. Weeks. Awful. Weeks. I had two glasses of wine last night and and I'm not feeling that fresh today. I'm like, God. I know, it's it's, it's not just, even worse. It's not even like, just, you don't even get the returns anymore. So, I mean, I'm kind of lucky because I did all my drinking in my 20s. So I could, I, I, I guess my body's bounced back. Well, of course it has. Yeah. You know, I've got a metabolic age of 22 now. But yeah, I, I guess if you're if you're going to drink uh, to the extent that I did, you may as well do it in your twenties and not your forties because I'm forty five now. But I, it's something I really want to. I, I want to dig into this. I want to dig into the mechanism of addiction, particularly alcohol, because a lot of women are okay until they hit like my age now, like forty five, and then it gets them. And there's no trauma. There's no trigger. All of a sudden, it's just like I need wine every night to sleep. I need wine every night to unwind you know and I want to understand that mechanism when it when when it when it turns into a problem that you all of a sudden because once you say you have to control something there's a problem yeah you know if you can't just go okay okay I'll stop now I'll stop today no problem You, you know there's an issue there there's a even if it's not a physical dependency there's a mental reliance on something that really is 
very inflammatory. And if you think about hand sanitizer, it gets rid of all the bacteria on your hands. All it is is alcohol. So that's what you're doing to your gut. Hence, you are stripping your gut of decent bacteria and your gut starts in your mouth, you know? It start, and then it's got down your throat, down your esophagus. All those bacteria communicate with your brain. So no matter, even if it's one glass of wine, you're doing yourself detriment. And I'm sorry, but I think we need to just like really lift the lid on that as well because it is so accessible. I mean, it's literally the only drug on the planet that people go, oh yeah. my God, you don't drink. Why? Why is it? Well, do you want me to go into it? Because I'm a fucking maniac when I do because I can't stop. I can't control it. Once I pop, I can't stop. It's like Pringles for me. Which, I, I'm, which, I'm addicted to which anyway, we learned so. about which, which in Tim Spector's episode. Yeah. Um, so let's go back. So at this kind of like excessive wine drinking, were your family and friends, were you able to hide this or were your family and friends aware of what was going on and how did it come to a head? Well, it was, I, I mean, to be honest, I, um, David and I were getting divorced and it was a case of, okay, I, I decided I'd, it was my marriage that was making me drink. It wasn't. I mean, on reflection now, and only like 15 years later, can I say it's a hormonal imbalance? <laughs> That's what it is. That's what was causing me to drink. And, you know, wine was my solution to this hormonal imbalance. I think if I'd have known what I know now, I could have treated it far differently. However, I'm sober now. I've done all the hard work and that's that. But, um, my mum said, you know, I mean, I, I'd, I'd gone to uh, rehab facilities and stuff like that. And it's all the same stuff as going into an Alcoholics Anonymous room. It's exactly the same program, except you've got to pay thousands of pounds for it. So in the end, I did uh, a geographical and went down to South Africa where it's super cheap and very hardcore. Take your passport off you, take your credit card off you and you just isolate and you face your demons. And to be honest, because I don't have trauma per se, you know, there's no abuse. There's nothing. You're like, well, what the hell? What is wrong with me? And you blame yourself, which exacerbates your self-esteem issues. So unless you can kind of like pinpoint, well, this happened when I was five and this happened when I was 17 and this, I didn't have any of that. I'm like flipping privilege. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm healthy. Uh, I've got a beautiful son. I've had, had you know, a, a fantastic marriage. I've got amazing friends. I mean, you know, charm lifestyle and you hate yourself even more. When really it's a chemical thing for me, it was a chemical imbalance that I'd had since birth. And if you dig into it, it could have been inherited from my great, great, great grandparents. And that's called epigenetics. And you can have inherited trauma from way, way back in your um, ancestral tree that you don't know about. And yeah. that goes for things like behaviors, uh, fears, fear of heights. You can inherit all that from your, you know, from your great, great, great grandparents. And you'll never be able to pinpoint it, although science is trying to decode the epigenetic genes. So it's like the expression of genes. It's how your genes uh, send messages to your body. And it's kind of like uh, you've got your DNA, which is kind of like a menu, but the epigenetics picks what's on that menu to sort of order. Do you know what I mean? So that's the most simplistic terms of epigenetics. And that's a, a, a new science coming. And maybe there lies the answer to addiction. Maybe there lies the answer to cancer. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So it's a, it's, it's a fascinating industry and it's, it's all maths based, you know, it's all AI. And so, I mean, we'll get there in the end, but it's incredible how much my opinion of addiction has changed since I first got sober, which was, which was really tough because I didn't have anything to focus on except how much of a dickhead I was. And, you know, it's completely beyond my control how my genes are expressing at that point. But I think I've, I've hacked into them now and I understand how to 
um, navigate things like cravings for white wine, which by the grace of God, I don't get anymore. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's literally rewiring your neural chemistry and your networking and getting ahead of any cravings. Same with carbohydrates, same with gambling, same with sex, same with shopping. It's the same dopamine mechanism. And that, I mean, we're all just there to basically, uh, we're all just here on the planet to reproduce and, you know, extend the human race. So all these things are by the by, really. That's not a primary purpose. So just getting through lives happily is it's not naturally in our programming, you know, we're just trying to survive. So, um, yeah, I think if I didn't have wine, I I probably could have killed myself. Wine actually saved my life in a weird way because it, it gave me an out and then I got sober and then I found another out. So, I mean, it's been one hell of a journey and quite dramatic and, you know, but I guess it's, it's just how it is. It's just how it is. I'm, I'm just born this way. And and I use it to my advantage now because if I find something interesting, I'll hyper-focus on it. And um, if that gives me pleasure, like say wine or carbohydrates or junk food used to do, I'll just switch my I'll switch my attention on something else and focus my dopamine-seeking behaviors in that direction. Hence me setting up a company. Yeah. And hence me setting up this and writing two bestsellers. You know, it's because I, it's because it gives me pleasure. I can funnel all of my energy into it into a positive it's almost like you become addicted to this now <laughs> in a in a good it's a good addiction uh, oh yeah and if anyone says oh you you yeah oh you're cross addicted you cross addicted and I says all right then fine I don't yeah. care no exactly. it's doing if it's doing me good and doing the world good yes I don't care so you'd given up the alcohol by this point and then you had an awful trauma in your life when your mum died so you were 35 at this point yeah yeah. So I was pregnant with Asa, who's number three. And um, yeah, uh, my mom told me she'd found a lump in her breast. Now, bearing in mind, she'd had it at 27, but I wasn't aware of it because I was only four. I mean, that again could have been subconscious um, trauma that I didn't know about because when my mom went in for treatment at Christie's Hospital in Manchester, I went to my auntie's in the Lake District, my auntie Wendy, and apparently she took my dummy off me. And I was really traumatized by it because she wanted to straighten my teeth. But my mum gave it back to me when I kept, when she finished treatment. So you just don't know. I know, do you? you don't. You don't know all. what impacts you and makes you into a complete piss can 20 years later. Anyway, I digress. But um, yeah, so they always said to her at the Christie Hospital that it had come back when she was 60. Well, this is when she was 59. And yeah, she subsequently died from it. So I, I, I kind of, she'd always, she'd always been very ill, my mum, uh, with. Um, a condition called scoliosis, which is a twist in the spine. So she's always been in agony, always sort of like her back going into spasms and you'd hear her scream. And that was, I've always kind of been waiting for the ax to drop when it came to my mum's health. And it was my biggest fear. So now it's happened. It kind of, in a strange way, gave me a confidence because I thought if I can get through this, A, without drinking or having a nervous breakdown, I can get through anything. Nothing's going to be as bad as that. And that's that's kind of the gift she gave to me, the gift of surviving, my biggest fear. Um, and also a, a positive to come out of, uh, of her condition was it opened my eyes to genetic testing because back then I think Angelina Jolie had just had a double mastectomy and I think she had a hysterectomy as well because she carried the genes for ovarian and breast cancer. And there was all that hype around there. So that's when I had my first genetic test just to check for the BRCA1 gene, which, to be honest, 
there's thousands of other genes that I've since learned about that could uh, be a precursor for cancerous cells in your breast tissue. But that made me just sit up and take notice of this expanding world of genetics and being able to predict and possibly mitigate killer diseases. And I just thought, fuck, wow, I want to be involved in this. And when my mum died, obviously, me being me, I started overeating. You know, I didn't drink, uh, I didn't smoke, but um, the Hagen dazs came out every night. Uh, the pizzas came out. And I, re- I really don't have an off mm. button. I, even when I'm full, I'll put it down. I'll watch an episode of whatever. And like by about the third commercial break, it's already saying, yeah, but there's a bit of a crust left and there's a bit of garlic sauce to dip in. And, you know, I'm a full room in a hall away, but I will get off my big ass and go and nibble. And yeah, that's what it is. I just don't have an off switch when it comes to those highly palatable foods. And I didn't understand what the hell was going on. I mean, I knew I was cross addicting, but you know, it, it was, it was, it was better than the alternative. But what I didn't realize was it was making me depressed, not my body size, the inflammation in my actual brain was making me depressed and then making me lean on the foods even more again to try and boost yeah, my it's mood. It's a vicious circle, to try isn't it? Be, it's a vicious circle, but I don't, don't I, I mean, I don't get a sugar high. I just, you know, it was just something to look forward to. Ooh, like it, it if I thought, oh gosh, because I, I, lo- I love ginger biscuits, like ginger snaps, those sort of things. And so if I thought about those, I'd get a little mood boost. I thought, oh, I'll go and have those in five minutes. I'd get a mood boost. So it was constantly the anticipation of like something else, pot noodle. <gasps> oh yeah, chicken and mushroom pot noodle. You know, and that's what I was doing constantly. So I was never satisfied because it was always the anticipation of the treat. When I was eating it, it wasn't as good. Of course it wasn't because that's the nature of addiction, but Yeah. So I had a long way to go before I started getting lean and understanding my chemical relationship between mood and food. And on this point, when was this the kind of time that you were on bipolar medicine and antidepressants? Uh, No. So um, I was put on that before I even got sober. They decided that that's what was wrong with me. And I think round about that time, so we're talking uh, 2007, there was a lot of diagnoses for women for getting bipolar when really I think it was a hormonal imbalance and, you know, people with postnatal depression, we just got whacked on mood stabilizers. And for me as well, that was just blocking my liver because of course it's pharma, big pharma. And the antidepressants gave me something called adhedonia, which is kind of like an indifference of life feeling. So you're not, you're, you're not suicidal which I wasn't anyway, by the way, at this point. Uh, I, was only, I only felt suicidal when I couldn't sober up and I couldn't articulate, I am screaming underwater, nobody understands why I'm drinking, it's not for fun. But I eventually have the articulation for that a few years later. I mean, that is one great thing that um, AA does, it gives you the articulation to say you have a disease of an allergy called alcoholism and you know an insatiable craving. It's, you're not drinking for fun like other people do or to... To, to improve your mood, you're drinking to survive. So I, I didn't have that articulation at that point um, when I was drinking. But the doctors, very, very eminent doctor on Harley Street, the after pay a fortune for, decided I was bipolar like everybody else who seemed to be 
of my age and um, had a mental health issue and I was depressed. And so, like I said, I got adedonia, which gives you an indifference to life and it makes everything very beige, uh, which, as you know, I don't like. And there's no joy, but there's no suicide. So it's a meh feeling. And with all those, with all that chemistry going through my body on a daily basis, very, very high levels, by the way, uh, my liver was getting blocked up, which in then turn, in that respect, it blocks up your brain as well because the liver, the gut and the brain are all interlinked and they feed back to each other. So I was in a constant state of hangover because of the toxins my poor liver was trying to um, expel. So by the time I was get, uh, I was pregnant with Asa, uh, we moved house because we needed a bigger house, Matthew and I, and um, of course, baby on the way. And I had to re-register the children at another doctor, an NHS doctor. And this is what? This is about nine years later after I was put on these meds. So I was on the meds for nearly a decade because you don't question a no. doctor, do you? Exactly. So, yeah, I was put on these meds and the, the new doctor uh, in the NHS um, in West London, he said, my God, what are you... What, what, what are your let me see your notes and then when he saw my notes after seeing the children's he was like my god what what the hell are you on here and I told him my story and he says this is wrong this is way wrong and he said how do you feel now and I'm like man I don't know you know I don't know I'm just a bit tired um, I'm always hungry um I don't know I'm just you know nothing really and he could just see I'd flatlined I was completely yeah. flatlined I was over medicated under stimulated and even then I didn't know I had ADHD. So that is a chronic case of understimulation anyway. So he, he weaned me off them and I've, you know, I've never looked back. That's incredible. That is such a turning point in your life. I know. It's only because I moved house. It's only because I moved house and I could be asked to do the paperwork, i.e. get the kids re-registered at a new local GP. Otherwise, I'd still be on them now and I'd probably be very beige. I wouldn't be jumping around, taking risks, having ideas. I was completely, it's just like a fogginess that these, you know, the side effects are brain fog and I do not want brain fog. I'd rather take the hits and the punches and roll with, I roll with the ups and downs than have an indifference to everything. Yeah. Because that to me is boring and life shouldn't be boring. Um, there's a quote from your book that really, oh, gave me goosebumps. It said, from the outside, I had everything, but inside, I felt like I was drowning. I was constantly trying to find the answers for questions I couldn't articulate. I felt negative. I felt like a failure, and I couldn't see a way out. Like I have only known you for six months, and I just can't imagine you ever saying that. But is it weird, you know, like to think you were in a place that those words kind of were true? Um, to be honest, it's quite a good reminder because I know if I pick up a drink or if I start coming away from looking after my brain, that's exactly where my default will take me. So it's kind of good to remember that, you know, I'm, I'm only, I'm only a few steps away from feeling like that. And it's a, it's a warning that I could go back to that, but it's really good for people to know that's exactly where I was. And now look, I'm so much better. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still have shitty days. I still got overwhelmed. I still lose the plot sometimes at the, you know, in traffic when I'm late because I've overburdened myself. But I, no way do I feel like I'm drowning anymore, which is a horrible feeling. And I do think a lot of people who'll be listening to this are right now. Mm. They are drowning and they are where I was and there was no escape. It's just more of the same, more mundane, more underwhelmed with yourself, no creativity, no spark, no sort of like, 
what what happens if we do this? None of that. It's all gone. All that childlike wonder has gone because life and the advice we've been given has just squashed it all and just squeezed it out of you. And uh, there is a way out. There are many ways out. And that's what I want to sort of get across to everyone by using this podcast as a vehicle to give people choices and empowerment and let them try things. Like, do you know what? I wonder what that, if that supplement will work. I wonder if this protocol will work. I wonder if that little hack, that little biohack will work. And, you know, hopefully it won't cost you much. You know, it could be as simple as just reading one of my books and you find a little gateway, a little ingredient that's your gateway like I did with MCT or that was my gateway drug into a better life. It didn't, you know. Can you explain what MCT is? Yeah, yeah. Um, Right, okay, so it's an oil and it comes from the coconut. So even if you're vegan, even if you're vegan, (laughs) you can have it. Because as you'll hear, I I don't. So I'm vegetarian and Davinia loves eating meat. So this has been such a funny, we have lots of great conversations. But just on a side note to this, I think this is where this, again, this podcast is really important because you can have your own views on things. Things can work for you. Things can, you know, something that might work for you might not work for me. Or, you know, I don't want to eat meat. That's like full stop. And I never will. I know that. But I think everyone has a choice and can make their own mind up with things. So I think that's really important. Like we always talk about that, don't we? It's like we're giving you that information and then do what you want with it. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, exactly. Because, you know, it's, it's, you live and you learn and you change and you adapt and your, your nutritional needs uh, will be different from when you were a kid to when you are an adult to when, to when you're elderly. And you know what, for me right now, I've just got to look after number one. I've got to look after my brain because I've got four little men to, to raise and me doing all the due diligence I have on grass fed beef and liver and this sort of thing. That is the most beneficial for our brain function in our house. I mean, you know, I've identified where my weak spots are and I need methylated B12 to function. And I would not get that from a supplement. I get that from beef, you know, and I'm lucky now because I live, I live in Lancashire. So I know the farm it comes from. I know the abattoir it's been to. I know how it's been raised. And, um, you know, I think we all owe it to ourselves to do some due diligence and not a Google search, go and speak to a farmer, go and find out exactly where your food's coming from. And, you know, don't be scared of uh, going against the rhetoric. Uh, Yeah, I I just think it's really interesting to have the alternative and to to sort of like go against the mainstream media because, you know, I mean, look at our population. We're really suffering. Mm. We're really suffering. Especially after COVID as well. Yeah, we're undernourished. We're overfed. We've got mental health on the rise. Something's got to give. And, you know, we're, we're all getting poorer and unhealthier. It's absolutely crackers. It's crazy, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting space to be in. And um, I'm pleased I'm on with this information so I can feed my children as cheaply yet efficiently the fuel that they need. So getting back. To yes, MCT I was about oil, to say massive digress. <laughs> massive. Of course. Um, MCT oil. So it comes from the coconut. And what scientists have discovered is the brain. It's made up of fat and cholesterol and it's powered by electricity. So you've got electrical currents, like pinging information from neuron to neuron, and not just information, pinging feelings, how your body's going to feel. So good mood, uh, inspiring thoughts, um, mental energy, um, focus, all these things are powered and fueled by electrical currents through your body. Now then, most dietitians will tell you that your brain needs glucose to operate. And 
that's not actually the case. So the brain's preferred fuel source is fat. And so to fuel it just with glucose, which you get from carbohydrates, which is another word for sugar, because as soon as you eat a piece of bread, it will turn into sugar. So whole grain, uh, sourdough, it <laughs> don't all get started turns on whole grain. sugar. It just, <laughs> don't get started on um, oat milk. It all, it's just liquefied bread, okay? And that is just liquefied sugar. So just get that into your head. Any carbohydrates just turns into sugar on consumption, regardless of the packaging. Okay, so don't be greenwashed or health washed or whatever we want to call it. So as soon as your brain gets that um, hit from the sugar, you might get an energy boost, but it drops off very, very quickly. Now, then ancient man understood that fat, particularly animal fat and medium chain fats, which is the MCT, medium chain triglyceride, these sustain long term focus, endurance, positive mood. They understood that. So they used to eat the animal fat first or any sort of fat first. So basically what we've got, what we've been able to produce now is an MCT or you can get it from like goat's milk as well. However, I wanted to isolate the MCT or from a coconut and it's a C8. So it's got eight carbons in only, not a C10 or a C12. It's C8. So it's got eight carbons in. What it does, it hits your liver. And like I said before, the liver and the brain are interlinked and it shoots up to your brain. And it's converted into an energy source called ketones. You might have heard of the ketogenic diet. So the reason why this is so beneficial is when ancient man was starving, he didn't have any, uh, uh, like he couldn't have a Kit Kat or anything <laughs> like that. He would go into a starvation mode and the brain would access fat from his body that was stored and convert it into ketones and give him a sustained hyper-focus ability to go out and hunt. So unlike when people go, oh my God, I'm so tired, I've got no energy, it's because you've been fueling on sugar. If you fuel on fat, you will have a survival mechanism that kicks into your brain to give you a long, sustained fuel source. So you don't think about snacking, you don't think about going to sleep, nothing. you have an adrenaline boost. You literally kick off neuroadrenaline in your brain, which is brain energy, to go and seek out. So I use that for when I've got an accountant's meeting because that kills me mentally. I have no stimulation and nothing. So I need adrenaline for something that bores me. So that's why I use MCT oil. And always look for C8 because it's the least amount of carbon atoms. And you just put it in your coffee? Put it in your coffee. You can put it in your coffee. You can put it in your tea. You can drink it off the spoon. You can put it into a vegetable smoothie if you wanted to, but try and keep it low carbs. You can put it into, I mean, my preferred source, um, my, what I'm doing this afternoon is I'm having bone broth. I know you don't like it. <laughs> bone broth with some MCT oil in, a little bit of pinch of salt. And you know what? You whiz it up and it tastes like cup of soup. But that, vitamins, minerals, uh, I mean, we're talking serious minerals and those minerals power the electricity in your brain as well as the MCT oil, as well as some salt, just a boom, access and, and cross the blood brain barrier. That is like a superfood snack, not a flipping protein bar. Oh from, gosh, it's uh, just probably got about 20 ingredients in as well. Probably got 20 ingredients, but it'll all, I mean, there's like 20, 25 different names for sugar yeah. alone uh, under the guise of things like um malt barley or even honey people go oh honey's good you know honey's good for you it's got enzymes in not the stuff they're putting in a trekker bar no it's not <laughs> i mean some of these ingredients even uh trigger bloating like sucralose it'll trigger bloating 
uh, because it really affects the gut and it'll also trigger uh, addictive eating. Vegetable oil triggers addictive eating because it's a detergent. It literally wipes your gut, uh, your gut. Remember, your gut starts in your mouth, wipes your gut of uh, mucus where all your little hormone receptors are that send messages to your brain saying, hang on, we've had enough amino acids. You can stop eating now. So you never get that satisfied signal. So you're always going to be craving five, 10 minutes later. I mean, the big five manufacturers of uh, big food, so to speak, um, like you've got your uh, General Mills, Unilever, Procter Gamble, Mars Company, Coca-Cola, those guys, you know, the big ones, the, the, the sort of umbrella companies that own all the like protein bar companies. I mean, if, if you look, you can see where the root cause of all this is. But they know in their businesses, they know that these ingredients trigger hunger or they at least trigger our inability to say no to another one. So like even Pringles advertise it, once you pop, you can't stop. I mean, it's because it's got veg oil in and it's got MSG in it and it's got sucralose in it. All three of those together, forget calories, man. It doesn't matter. Calories go out the window when you're dealing with addictive food ingredients because it's, it's you know, it's the new nicotine and it's in the guise of a treat. It's mm. a treat. You know, everything's a treat. Oh, treat yourself. Treat yourself. You deserve it. You deserve what well, you deserve. Brain fog. You deserve a sluggish gut. You deserve bloating. You deserve needing more, wanting more, craving. No, none of us deserve that. And I mean, I hate that. Oh, you got to eat whole foods. You got to do this. You got no, the fucking food industry needs to change and stop conning us, you know, and stop pretending that they're, they've got our, you know, they're giving us extra protein. They're not, they're just putting protein on a label, which actually has got exactly the same ingredients in. There's a box of Pringles. Yeah, It's the same thing. It's just, you know, it's just been wrapped up. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you've got to understand you've got, you've got big businesses there, you know, you've got big, like, Eat little and often. Of course. Of course, eat little and often. Why do you need to eat little and often? <laughs> it's You're like, it's funny die. though, when you, tons of stored when you talk about our ancestors, you know, back in the day, and we just think like, you know, they'd have probably gone for days or like a couple of days without eating. And it's like, and now everything is such a convenience. We've got delivery companies, like 10 minutes and we've got a food there. You know, everything's such a convenience thing yeah. now. It, it really is. And we're always hungry. So yeah. even though we eat six times a day or snacks, we're not hungry, we're peckish. And also we're probably just not having a substantial meal that's filling us up properly with all of our fat and protein. But even if you do, if it's got those ingredients in, it doesn't freaking matter because you're going to be hungry 10 minutes later because A, your insulin's dropped off a a cliff and B, you've got all these seed oils whizzing around your body and your brain saying, I'm not satisfied, I'm not satisfied. That's why you can have a massive Chinese takeaway Mm. and go back half Mm. an hour later for a little bit more. Oh, got a cheeky little spare rib or I've got a spring roll. You know, and... This is it. I mean, you, the whole, oh yes, just have one solid meal. Bollocks. You're not going to do that if it's got those ingredients in. It will trigger a mechanism in your brain to crave more and you'll go back for more because ultimately your body's pre-programmed to do what your brain says. So that's why I say feed your brain properly. The body will follow. Don't waste time standing on scales. Just do the next right thing by your brain. And trust me, all of a sudden, all that excess weight, all the bloating will go. So let's talk about your genetic testing, because I know that that was a real turning point for you in this process. Yeah. So now there's a company that I really like called Omnus, because they are trying to put the power and the information and the education back in our hands. They've got a platform where you can just have, you can start with a genetic test. The, The reason why I like a genetic test is you only need one. You do it once. 
Your genes aren't going to change. However, the information that they're uncovering will do. So you'll get updates. Oh, we found this gene. This could be something you want to look into for Alzheimer's. You want to might avoid this type of lifestyle. You might want to engage with this type of supplement. And what I uh, what I gained from uh, working with Omnus is um, I didn't realize I'm really weak at detoxifying. I don't have uh, the capability to to make glutathione very well. So glutathione is our master antioxidant, which means that's why I feel so absolutely rubbish if I eat veg oil because boom, my liver's completely and utterly overburdened. Even with alcohol, my hangovers were ferocious at the end, but I mean, that's because I'm an alcoholic. But really, you know, if I get ill, I feel really, really ill. Like I've got four boys and Matthew never gets a cold, but I do. And it's to do with me not uh, supplementing with uh, glutathione or its precursor NAC. And, you know, just little tips like that. It's not particularly expensive to do that. You know, I can just have a glutathione IV once every six months. It takes 20 minutes. Boom. I'm not going to get ill. I'm not going to have days off work. I'm not going to be grouchy because I am the world's worst patient. I am bad when I'm ill. I feel really sorry for myself because it really impacts my brain. Little things like that just make life more manageable. And I think everyone should have a DNA test the minute they're born. (laughs) Then you've got a blueprint of how you should be supplementing or how you should be. Like, for example, um, I've got um, the gene variant on the MTHFR gene. It looks like motherfucker, MTHFR. (laughs) Gary Brecker, who we speak to, he's got a really good test that I'm going to do, which tells you how to, to, you know, um, supplement according to your... Again, your detox capabilities, the, uh, the methylation system is responsible for so much in the body, but it's never talked about in GP's uh, surgeries because they just, we just don't have the infrastructure there. So you either wait 20 years till it comes standard and probably have a miserable 20 years or you put some cash aside and find out what, I mean, even if you wanted to just test that gene, I'm sure you could find out what your methylation status is and act on it. Because nine times out of 10, you're probably your kids is going to have it as well. 44% of the population have a dodgy MTHFR gene. So you may as well know and literally improve your life by knowing that one fact or wait 20, 25 years for the NHS to catch up. We have to invest in our health. We invest in phones. We invest in computers. We invest in Netflix. We have to invest in our health and see it as if you don't look after yourself, no one else is because as much as we all love the NHS, it's too big a beast. Yeah, and also, as we talked earlier, one size does not fit all, but they cannot, no, it they doesn't. cannot it, it, give it, it the do, time for, to each and individual one of us and go, okay, Charlie, we no. need to do this for you. Davinia, this is, yeah. Exactly. Our podcast partner today is Omnos, and this is a great opportunity to talk about them in a bit more detail and um, talk about their offer because I had an Omnos test and it was really fascinating. Um, and as as you've just said, you had one as well. And they've got loads of tests though, haven't they, Charlie? Like re- really good tests. So they've got the female um, wellness panel that will encompass all your different hormones. They do the Dutch test as well. The Dutch test is a dry urine test. And it's also got tests for your kids. It's got tests for your husband and everything. But it's on one platform. And what they'll do is they will put a practitioner into you who is on board with this. Not just a regular GP, but someone who knows their shiz when it comes to hormones or knows their shiz when it comes to the gut microbiome. So you can do a poo test as well. My personal favorite because I found out I had Giardia 
Jardia in my stool. What's that? I don't know why it's called a stool. Um, Jardia is like a parasite that you pick up in India oh, traveling wow. and it's really detrimental. But I've had a dormant Jardia for years, which again, so is there anything you can do to, draining to me get rid of it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You can do a really good cleanse, which I did do. I mean, I do, I do all sorts of crazy cleanses. I really enjoy the, 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 I mean, the liver cleanse is just fantastic, but that's in my first book. It's not a diet. You drink like virtually half a liter of olive oil. It's next level. Wow. But my God, the next day you are full of beans, full of beans. I did it three times in a year. So I did it once a month. Is this, hang on, didn't you do this when you were about to take a flight or was that something else? Uh, oh no, that was an enema. Oh That's that was an enema that was too hot because I boiled oh. it and then I put boiling water with some peroxide up my bum and I just wrecked. So my let's let like Davinia basically can try everything so, for us. Oh, oh yeah, I just take yeah, one she for takes the one team. for the team. I take one for the team. I have done the most <laughs> insane things bec- and I will report on them. But I mean, like I've done cambo, which is like a tree frog. But I, I mean, you think, oh yeah, you go to the Amazon. You go to the- no, I went to Tottenham to do it in a flat and and it's meant to purge you basically you just vomit but oh honestly I'll, I'll have to do a full podcast on all these yeah. alternative stuff but it did not work for me so those shamans and everything that swear by cambo and relieving trauma from ancestral traumas and what it didn't work for me i just felt rotten and i've still got the scars the cambo scars now but i think i think i've got a picture on my instagram you page showed of me, me doing the video your face your face swells up you look possessed you look demonic that's why i can imagine like our forefathers used to think it was an exorcism because your face goes beast like it's disgusting and you swell up and you come so up flame and then you just vomit 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 for like 20 minutes in a flat in tottenham with a stranger <laughs> next to you doing exactly the same so yeah that's what i do for you guys and i report back and say yeah don't bother with that yeah don't bother with that oh so. <laughs> gosh so yeah if people want to get a test on omnis what should they do and just tell us a bit about the process okay so um if you have a look on Omnus' website, you can see loads of tests, but what they have done just recently is launched which test. So you can fill in like their questionnaire, which is super insightful anyway, because you suddenly think, shit, oh my God, I didn't even think of that. And then they'll spit out through an algorithm what test they think is more applicable for you, which is best. Is it best to target the gut? Is it best to have a look at your DNA? And so they'll give you sort of a breakdown of where they think the symptoms lie and how, how you're going to get the best cure so to speak from their testing so they've got a thing called which test feature and that will just give you all your biomarkers whether it be dna hormones or gut microbiome etc etc and i know the guys there because i've been using their test for a while and obviously me being a cheeky cow i said any chance of a cheeky bit of discount and they said yeah so they're going to give people who are listening to this 10% off using the code davinia10 and my name is d-a-v-i-n I a you don't say Davina not (laughs) Davina no everyone calls me Davina though which is fine and that's why I just I don't mind being called D it just cuts out that embarrassment everyone calls me Davina but that's because Davina McCall of course but uh, yeah it's Davina but Davina 10 D-A-V-I-N-I-A 10 for 10% off and um, yeah it's just making it more accessible and particularly if you've got kids who are struggling if I had a daughter or a son who was struggling with um like hitting 20 and feeling a bit moody and everything. The first thing I'd do is just, let's check out my son's testosterone. Let's check out my daughter's estrogen. Let's see what's going on there. And even if you don't get that much back, you have got a real snapshot of their profile of when they are meant to be in their prime. So fast forward 30 years time, you can say, do you know what? You're hitting perimenopause. 
to your daughter, do you want to have a look at see where your hormones are now compared to when you were 21 or 19? Do you know what? It's just good to have in the archives and it's all digitalized. So you don't even have to file it away. But I think the more information you know about you, the more armed you are when you do need meds and you go to a doctor or, I mean, for example, my, my new book, Hack Your Hormones that I've written with Dr. E, who owns a company called Human. He's a GP as well. He, he's like a, a frontline doctor in the NHS. However, he's also come to the dark side of functional medicine. So he's got his feet in both camps as well. And it's kind of nice uh, that I, I asked him in my book, what do people say when they go to their GP that we all pay for? You know, we all pay for in our national insurance. So we have the right to say, hang on, I'm not sure about that, doctor. Can we just have a look at this blood panel instead? Because I got this done at Omnus and you're saying I'm in normal range. But if I was in Scandinavia, they'd say I was on death's door. Mm. So can we just discuss that? That maybe I might need some some sort of intervention because, you know, what's normal in the UK isn't normal in the USA is totally different to what's what's deemed normal in Japan. So, you know, us all being human beings, yeah, depending which territory you live in, the normal parameters don't work out. So with Omnus, they use the ranges for optimal, not normal, because normal isn't necessarily healthy. And looking at what's normal in the UK at the moment, which is what I was 10 years ago, that wasn't healthy. That was sluggish, lethargic, low mood, borderline obesity, pre-diabetic. And that was in my 30s. And that was deemed normal. But it's not normal to be unhealthy. It shouldn't be. We shouldn't be taking that as that's the norm. It's like, it's not okay that we've come to live like that. No. And and, and like I said, it's based on blokes anyway. So (laughs) what do they know? And also (laughs) when you do the test, you you get a um, follow-up call on you know um a a video conference with them and they go through everything and explain everything as well because you know this all sounds probably confusing as hell to most people (laughs) and and I got the results back and I went through and I was like I have no idea what any of this means but don't worry they come on they talk you through it they advise you on how you can make changes depend like based on your results so yeah it's so insightful and it's brilliant and I think it'll only become more and more useful the more you age because hey we all start falling off at the wheels don't the wheels start falling off after 30 yep. so you may as well start now exactly so this podcast we have got so many great guests and this is um obviously an intro into the series if you could pick out maybe one moment from a guest I know you know so much already but is there a one moment where you were like whoa that has totally blown my mind well, I mean, I, I do think what blows my mind is the fact that whenever I um, post about what Ken Berry said regarding the cholesterol, I still get people going, what? what? This is just because we've not done press on it about the fact that cholesterol is necessary and it transports hormones and every single cell in your body is made of cholesterol. And, you know, I, I speak to my family and they don't listen to me. Of course, they don't listen to me. But, you know, like my uncle's had a heart attack and he's still got Vitalite in the fridge because it says heart healthy, low cholesterol or that, you know, that olive oil spread that's basically one molecule away from plastic. Of course, it's not heart healthy. And they still were spouting the rhetoric about whole grains. <laughs> it's she goes not again good for on you. Her there is no... That there is no need for it in our diet. And, you know, all the... It, but people say it's heart healthy it's it's not it's not you know it is not it just turns to sugar and we are literally blaming fat and proteins and all the decent food we, we are just blaming all of the knock-on effects like you know meat gives you cancer um eggs give you high cholesterol i mean 
really we should be pointing the finger at refined sugar mm. and veg oil. That's where the problem lies. But it's just in everything. Oh, it's Let's have a look next time you go to the supermarket. Have a look next time you go to the supermarket for rapeseed oil or sunflower oil. You'll be flabbergasted. Olive oil hummus has out. sunflower oil in. <laughs> sunflower what? oil in. Yes. Yes. And even like the spray, you know, when people use that one cal spray of olive oil or avocado oil, I turn it around and you'll see sunflower oil as the main ingredient. It's all marketing and how they get away with it. I do not know because I mean, I, I understand marketing because I've got a supplement company. So I understand I do not know how these big hitters get away with it. I know, exactly. I mean, how can something be organic if it's got sunflower oil in? It can't be. How they make it is ferocious. I mean, uh, Gary Brecker, brilliant guy, who who owns 10X Health in the USA, he literally described how they make these rancid oils and what it does to our bodies. It is so toxic. I think if if, if you're going to take one thing out of your body, take the oil out over and above sugar, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. So thank you so much for this conversation. And hopefully we have got people thinking, okay, this is, I need to start kind of like thinking about my health and obviously listening to you. I think you're such an inspiring person um, from where you came from to where you are now. But there's still going to be people thinking, you know, like it's going to be expensive to eat healthy. I don't know enough about kind of like what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing. Can you just, I guess it's like a little bit of a sign-off message for them. Put yourself in your shoes 15 years ago, 14 years ago, you know, that really low place where you didn't know what to do and you felt lost and you felt like you were drowning. What's kind of like that message that you want to tell, I guess, your younger self, but also people listening right now that that you want to help? Well, definitely um, lift the lid on biohacking because it's about your body not Davinia's, not Charlie's, it's your body that matters because you've got to live with it. You've got to walk around in it every single day. And just don't be afraid to try something a little bit unusual. Just switch the shower. Switch the shower to cold for five seconds tomorrow morning and breathe, breathe through it, go. (gasps) You've got to breathe out more than you breathe in and do it for five breaths and get your chest underneath. Your chest got all the receptors on and that will boost your dopamine. You boost your dopamine, you boost your mood and you boost your self-esteem. That's the first step. That takes five seconds. And then get back to me about the MCT or that'll be step number two. But um, yeah, just just be up for everything. Just be open-minded about it. Be open-minded about it because like I said, no one's going to look after you like you can. Not a doctor, not a surgeon, not a wellness guru, not a supplement company and definitely not Pepsi-Cola company or Unilever. They're not. So just remember, every time you pick up something in a packet, you're facilitating that CEO to sit on his super yacht eating lobster. Just bear that in mind. Yeah, because it's all about the bottom line with those big guys. So yeah, just bear that in mind. Next time you next next time you open something in a packet, just have a look at the mother company and just imagine <laughs> the eight figures that that guy's raking in <laughs> while he's on his private jet to Capri to go and sit on his two hundred foot super yacht. <laughs> End of. And I bet he's not eating anything out no, of a packet. No, exactly. So he won't be eating anything out of a packet. That'll be fresh fish for him. Exactly. And grass fed butter. <laughs> great note to end on so everyone enjoy the series we've got such amazing guests and yeah you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot and also contact Davinia on Instagram you're at Davinia Taylor right 
Yep, that's right, at Davinia Taylor. My supplement company is at Will Powders and my book, uh, It's Not a Diet, is out on audio, Kindle um, and paperback. That's so easy and that is a great protocol because it's got shopping lists in, it's got websites in, it's easy peasy to, uh, it's it's digestible. Excuse the pun. <laughs> great way to end. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hack Your Health. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and please share it far and wide so everyone else can get healthier. The more people we can educate and empower will lead us to a healthier life. Okay, so we make this show for you and I'd love to get your feedback. So please do review us or DM me on Instagram at Davinia Taylor. And once again, thank you to our brilliant partner, Omnus. Make sure you check them out and don't forget you can use the discount code Davinia, D-A-V-I-N-I-A, 10 for 10% off your order. You will not regret it. This has been an Underground Fan Club production.